Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'll tell you what, here's where I want to start. I want to start with a couple of perspectives regarding the FEMA alert the other day and discuss sort of the broader picture of the entire thing. Again, people have to understand that it wasn't just about potential illness occurring down the line. There are numerous other things that are occurring with it and probably did and actually have occurred as a result of it. And these things have to, of course, be brought up. First of all, though, I want to start off with this individual's perspective, which I completely disagree with on a variety of levels, because again, they're only looking at it from their particular angle. And it's too bad that this individual who I've referenced in the past has a, has a hard time understanding this and, of course, has no problem making fun of a lot of people because, basically, if you don't agree with them, then there's something wrong with you, so they would lead people to believe. This person, of course, is a Derek Johnson. This is a retired Army veteran. Uh, you know, he's, he's done a very nice job of, again, watching the planes. And, under, and getting people to understand that there's a continuity of government based on both military law, executive orders that have been signed, and that Donald Trump is, in fact, the commander-in-chief. I don't disagree with this, and I don't think a lot of people out there disagree with this. I think the vast majority of people fully see this for what it, for what it is, and they fully agree, and they fully understand that... Uh, you know, we, we live in a very interesting time where things are taking place that have never taken place before. And even if they have taken place, they haven't taken place in, in our lifetime. So I would encourage individuals, again, to, to look at it from multiple angles. And I'll, again, I'll, but before I get to his comment real quick, which was on Telegram the other day, and he's essentially lost his mind to some extent. He's just screaming and yelling all the time now. And telling people to unfollow other people because they don't know what they're talking about. And again, everybody should listen to him and not listen to anybody else. So first, I think that there's an overall picture, which I personally believe, and this is my opinion, is this. There was a time when we all used to live when there weren't FEMA alerts on our cell phones. There was a time when we, of course, didn't have cell phones. This was a far simpler time. And we understand that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with not wanting to participate in FEMA games or executive orders or whatever it may be, and more government-controlled psychological operations. Because again, whether it be good or bad, whether it be, again, an alert to make people aware of something in the future, whether that thing be real or not. It's still a psychological operation any way you slice it, isn't it? I mean, the vast majority of us who are awake, who know what's going on, we were thinking about that alert no matter what, regardless of the outcome and regardless of, of any anomaly that may have taken place and even an on purpose that may have taken place. And again, I have a couple of examples that I'll go over here because there were some weird things that did happen. And a number of people, again, were paying attention to these things. The question, of course, comes is if you close yourself off to multiple wavelengths of thought, then you're not going to you're not going to ascend to any kind of a higher wavelength of thinking. 
And where Derek Johnson makes a very fatal mistake, I think, is he 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 screams and yells at people to pay attention to him and no one else. And that really is the dead giveaway that he is remarkably self-absorbed and and would kind of do well to just pump the brakes. So here's what he said yesterday on Telegram. He said, every Podashian, so it's a combination of podcasters and Kardashians, he's basically saying, who told you to turn turn your phone off, he said this, he said, unfollow, read the federal continuity, continuity directives, do your simple math, on when they were issued and what's inside of those being consistent with military occupancy, continuity of government, and Commander-in-Chief Donald J. Trump's verbiage and laws, listen to a veteran who has your best interest. Unquote. Okay, again, for, for Derek Johnson and the people who, who bow down to him, we can do multiple things at one time. We already understand this, Derek. We already get it. We know that this is happening. We understand that Donald J. Trump is the commander-in-chief. We understand that he would be breaking his oath if he didn't sign the Insurrection Act. We know this. We already know this. The thing that Derek Johnson doesn't get, because he'll never speak about it, are biological weapons, who created them, who took them, what they're doing to people, electromagnetism, and a variety of other issues. He doesn't bring any of that up. He again is talking about numerous executive orders, which is great, U.S. codes, that's great, and he's not wrong. Again, where he makes his fatal mistake is making fun of people who think about more things than he thinks about. So let me just remind him and anybody else of a couple of things, because again, it's in the enemy's own paperwork of what they want to do and what the shots are doing and how, yes, the shots do negatively react to electromagnetic radiation. This is proven beyond a reasonable doubt. He, of course, isn't bringing this up because he knows nothing about it. So that's fine. I, I suppose that's fine. But he's looking at it only from one angle, which is an angle that he understands. He's also claiming, of course, that veterans are the only ones who would understand this, and in the exact, basically in the exact same breath, when it comes to the continuity of government and uh, you know executive orders being signed in, in U.S. code and the military war manual, the law of war manual, that veterans should know better and that veterans need to be paying attention to him and they need to be, again, thinking about their own oaths and their own past experience and take a look at this because it's right in front of our faces. Again, we, we get it. We know that. And I'm not a veteran and I, I understand it. I fully, I fully get it. But screaming at people to try to get it. And I mean, he was, he's yelling in these videos. For him just to start yelling is a huge mistake. It's a big mistake. So don't yell at people about it. People will figure out particular things on their own, and they don't even have to understand everything. I'll give you an example. I was at my chiropractor just the other day, and I'm lying on my stomach as he's leaning on my back, and he says, uh, and, and we're talking about politics, and we always talk about politics. He's awake. He's unjabbed. He has a pretty good idea as to what's going on. And I said, well, as it turns out, I said, Donald Trump is still the commander in chief. I said, Joe Biden's not really the president. 
you know, I, I said Donald Trump would be violating his oath if he didn't sign the Insurrection Act and ha- hand everything over to the military, which is exactly what he's done. And then to to make him, you know, and he didn't ask any questions about it because he was probably unaware of that. So to bring it back to him to something he understood, which is I simply said, but I mean, you're 100% right. Things are happening right now that have never happened before. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And, and, I, and I looked at him and I said, and frankly, it doesn't matter if Joe Biden's the real president or not. He's still, he's still allowing a lot of terrible things to take place. And he goes, oh, yeah, no doubt about it. He goes, it almost doesn't matter who's holding a particular position. There's still bad stuff taking place. And we agreed on that. And that was enough for him. I mean, th- that worked. And then he started talking about, you know, Feinstein being dead, and that's a good thing. And he goes, you know, Sean, he goes, I didn't used to hate people. I didn't used to, you know, hate people. But it, he goes, I just, I hate these politicians. I hate them. He goes, and to be honest, I want them to die. I just want them to die. <laughs> and we both laughed. And I said, I get it. I fully get it. I fully understand. And I'm with you. But again, for someone like Derek Johnson to just be screaming at people that, you know, if, if we're not holding on to his, uh, his, his pockets and having him lead us around all the time, then we wouldn't know our ear hole from our asshole. He needs to be real careful about what he says to people. We're on the same side. We're all on the same side here. So it's not about attention. It's not about getting attention. That's not it. Derek Johnson doesn't have to worry about money. Good for him. He writes country music songs and brags about it all the time. I've got number one country songs and goop, goop, goop. Well, good for you. Good for you. No one cares. No one really cares. But we're on the same side and we're moving in the same direction. The problem is, is that his capacity to think about other things only goes so far. And his capacity to connect dots in other realms, in particular of what the enemy has planned, only goes so far. And it's pretty evident that that's the case. Because we are still at war. Yes, there are good guys moving things. There's no doubt about that. But there's also bad guys that still exist on Earth and in our government. And they're doing things too, Derek. And we get to pay attention to that too. And we get to read their documentation and see what they have in store. Because they're already rolling it out. And I bring that kind of stuff up on this show all the time. But I'm not screaming at people at the top of my lungs. You know, you better listen to this show because you don't know shit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You don't have to listen to this show. Nobody has to listen to this. I'm fine with that. Someone will, and that's good enough. That one person is good enough. But for somebody with a bunch of followers and a bunch of subscribers, you know, tens of thousands, I mean, he needs to just cool it. He needs to cool out. It's insulting. He's insulting people. People wake up on their own time. Whether they wake up or not, that's not necessarily up to us. We just have to keep doing what we're doing and stop screaming about it, you know, as, as certainly as frequently as he does, because it's insulting. So let me educate Derek on just a couple of things. And again, just mention, mentioning this because this was brought to my attention. First of all, like I said earlier regarding the psychological operation of the FEMA thing, I chose to not participate. It's that simple. And in not participating, I actually learned a great deal. What did I learn? 
I learned that those cheap space blankets, those those uh, emergency you know tin foil blankets that they sell at Walmart for next to nothing, that that is the best Faraday cage that you can possibly have. I didn't get a single alert. I tested it first to see if it would take a phone call. It doesn't. I mean, no signal goes to your cell phone or any device, so you don't have to spend. or even anything more than $10 on a Faraday cage, one of those zip-up things or whatever, just wrap your device basically in tinfoil, and that'll keep any kind of a signal from reaching it. So I learned that, and it it worked perfectly. I turned my phone off, too, before sticking it in a a gun safe, because I really wanted to keep a signal from hitting it. And when I pulled it out, which was interesting, when I pulled it out, and I unraveled it, my phone immediately went on. I didn't even turn the button back on. It just immediately went back on. So that was kind of interesting. Um, again, you know, through the power to the house, everything, you know, for about an hour, everything was fine. No problems. I just, cho- I just chose not to participate in the bullshit. That's all. So again, Derek's making fun of people for turning their phones off. Well, Derek, there was a time when we didn't have phones. Not all of us like these cell phones. I can't stand them, frankly. I can't stand them. I think they're, I think they're terrible. They're, they're horrible for us. I remember, again, when I got my first iPhone, I told myself I'm not going to be one of these people that walks around with it and looks at it and is constantly reading things on it and you know looking up things. That's not true. The exact opposite happened. I found myself again looking up constant information, constantly learning, because that's the thing that I'm addicted to. So again, when somebody says, you know, what do you use your cell phone for? I use my cell phone for two reasons. It's my newspaper, theoretically, you get what I'm saying, and, and it's a radio. That's it. That's basically what I use it for. I use it to read things, and then I use it to, uh, to listen to things. But I just chose not to participate. And choosing to not participate in a psychological operation, I think, again, whether it be good or bad, we know there's good psyops and there's bad ones, but choosing to not participate is a pretty damn good thing. That's, that's my two cents. Now, there were a few other things regarding the FEMA alert. A lot of cell phones, apparently, again, Derek should know this because, you know, if he's paying attention to other people instead of himself and looking in the mirror all the time, he might understand that there's more going on. So a lot of individuals who don't speak Spanish, they received the FEMA alert in 100% Spanish. The message came on their phones in Spanish, not in English. That's kind of a problem, isn't it? Because if it was a real alert, would it be a text message now in, in Spanish followed by a verbal warning, a real warning in Spanish? An audio message in Spanish with a Spanish translator or a recorded voice in Spanish speaking to someone who doesn't speak Spanish? Seems like a rather large issue, doesn't it? So that's something that happened. Here's something else that happened. Our Michigan business owner friend sent me an email and a text message, and they said, So here's basically what we did. A couple of minutes before the alert was to go off. The alert already went off. So before 2.20, the alert, the FEMA alert already went off. And then she said, remember those doors that I had to replace on my business with the new 
you know, the, the new emergency exit lights and the signs and all that stuff. She said that all of that went off at approximately 2.14 when, when the first alert hit. So it wasn't at 2.20, but at 2.14. So all of those emergency exit lights and signs were, were flashing apparently, and they, and they didn't know how to turn them off. Then she said that she made her way to the, the power box to try to turn the power box off, the breakers, and it was sizzling. And she sent me a video, actually, of it sizzling, and it's only six seconds long, but you can hear it sizzling. And she goes, it's never done this before. So all of that happened after the alert went off. That's kind of a problem. Again, this is the, you know this matters. This is this is kind of a big deal. So why would that be the case? Did it overload the system? Did it override any system? Where else did that happen? Did other businesses experience the exact same thing? How about schools across America? Did they experience the exact same thing? Were there emergency lights uh, throughout the schools and you know, uh, other electronic systems throughout throughout their schools tripped as a result of uh, of that alert going out on everybody's cell phone. These are the kinds of questions and kinds of observations, again, that Derek Johnson doesn't make and that other people aren't making. This is what happens when you keep an open mind. You allow endless information to flood in. You try to make connections with particular things, and then you see where the chips fall. But th those were real things that happened. And there's no way that this business owner in Michigan is the only person who experienced that. That would be impossible. It's mathematically impossible. Someone else experienced that. So just wanted to bring that to your attention because that's a real thing. I also mentioned this, though, and this is worth bringing up again. It's a meme, so you have to take it with a grain of salt to some extent, but I've played this before in uh, in past war videos, and I'll I forget the guy's name. Somebody's going to have to help me with this, but I can see him. He's he's a white guy, a little bit bigger. Uh, I I think he has facial hair, and he's giving a couple of presentations on Donald Trump and good things that Donald Trump has done, and a number of other things. But in this one quick presentation, and it was like a TikTok video or something along those lines, but he was talking to a room of what looked like college-age students. And he's got a whiteboard behind him and kind of around him. And he starts to talk about 5G. And he says, Donald Trump basically just saved everybody with 5G. That 5G was supposed to be way worse than what it is now. Not that it's good now, because it clearly isn't. But it was, it was originally designed to be way worse intentionally as a weapon, of course, to be used against us. So you probably remember the whole Kofifi thing from back in the day when Donald Trump was, was in office and he said Kofifi and everybody lost their shit because they were like, he doesn't know how to spell. And he tweeted that out. So the meme here, which again, it, this is the second or third time I've seen this meme and I put it in the last war video, but C-O and then V and then F-E and then F-E. On the periodic table of elements is the combination of cobalt, CO, vandium, if I'm saying that right, the letter V, and then iron, FE, and then iron again, FE. 
So basically, the breakdown of this meme says cobalt, 49%, iron, 49%, and vandium, 2%. It says together makes soft magnetic alloy with highest flux density of any strip core alloy ideal for use in tape cores and magnetic cores in many innovative technologies. The magnetics clean up the impurities from 5G working on an iconic, I'm, I'm sorry, ionic level, rather. It says this keeps oxygen from being depleted, making harmless the high radio frequency radio. Again, I don't know if that's true. I don't sit around and study the periodic table of elements, and I didn't build the 5G towers, so I don't know. It's just a meme. It's food for thought, though. It's food for thought. And like I said, I've heard that guy give presentations about things that Donald Trump has allegedly done to move things around in a particular way to not make them as bad so that when the enemy pulls a particular trigger, something isn't as bad as what they had originally intended. Doesn't seem to be the case with the shots, but who's to know? Now, as I said in the Substack regarding the 5G message that went out and the, and the constant frequencies, if that's tripping other electronics, ladies and gentlemen, and there are electronics and metals inside of the shots, we're going to be able to witness or at least hear about a deviation from the standard in the days and weeks ahead from those, again, who have taken the shots and are potentially going to become more sick as a result. Now, we know they're going to become more sick as a result anyway, unfortunately, with or without the 5G. But this was certainly an element. And again, I don't think you should stop subscribing to people who, who are understanding that and know this to be true. It's in the enemy's paperwork. So it's almost, again, to get back to Derek Johnson just quickly, and then I'll leave him alone. To get back to him very quickly, he has no problem reading the paperwork of what the good guys are doing. But he never seems to read the paperwork about what the bad guys are doing. And anybody you would think, having been in the military as, as, he, as he says that he was, and I have no reason to doubt him, you would think that you would want to look at all of the quote-unquote intel that you possibly can. And make a well-rounded decision and educate yourself on, on everything. I mean, if you have the opportunity to go behind enemy lines and take a look at what they're doing and what they have planned, why wouldn't you? Wouldn't that give you more intelligence, quote-unquote? Wouldn't that give a person more information to share with people and have them consider things? I would think so. So that's my two cents on the whole thing. Again, I chose not to participate, and in choosing not to participate, I learned a great deal. That's a beautiful thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not a brain-eating zombie. I haven't turned into a zombie. Again, I'm not jabbed. I, I feel physically fine. You know, it's, it's, not about, it's not about panic. It's about information and absorbing information. That's all. We get to do that. We get to do it as often as we want. We don't have to walk around and go, oh, Derek Johnson, you are my God. I will do whatever you say. <laughs> we, get to, we get to think. We get to think and consider numerous opinions and numerous takes from a lot of people who spend a lot of time on this stuff. 
So there you go. Okay. Just wanted to get some of that off my chest. Let me dive into education here because there's a couple of stories here that, uh, that are, well, terrible to say the least. And, uh, just uh, again, more, more evidence of what's actually happening and how a lot of this is right in front of people's faces. And this again continues to show again, the level of brainwashing, which is remarkably horrible. But first of all, I found this kind of funny. In fact, this is kind of a little lighter story. This is from uh, codesports.com.au. It's titled, Transgender Athletes Decline to Race in World Aquatics, New Open Category Event. So World Aquatics apparently has its own transgender category where all the trannies can get together and they can swim against one another. Well, wouldn't you know it, they don't want to do it. Why not? <laughs> Why is it that they don't want to do it? They were given their own pretend Special Olympics for just them, who are pretending to have genitals that they don't have, and now they don't want to participate. Isn't it funny? So they decided, apparently, because there were no participants and nobody signed up and you know, uh, uh, the, the trannies don't want to swim against the trannies. Now, you heard me say a long time ago, and I said it jokingly, <laughs> although I think it would be hilarious. Wouldn't it be great to actually watch that happen? To just, I mean, again, you're, you're right there at the pool. Everybody stands up on the blocks and they're, you know, or whatever the hell that stand thing is. Sorry, I don't know what it's called, but they're all standing there and they're about to dive into the pool. They're all wearing onesies and their genitals are just, you know, bulging out of God knows where. And then, uh, you know, it, it just looks like a panel of clowns. And then they all just dive in and then flop around and, uh, you know, they give them a special award or a medal at the end for being the best tranny. Wouldn't that be hilarious to watch? I think it'd be great. I might even actually pay to watch that. That would have been funny. I joked about it a long time ago. Wouldn't you want to watch a tranny hockey game? Just trannies, just skating around, hitting each other. Pink hair, purple hair. Some of them have fake breasts. Some of them don't. Some of them, you know, fake genitals. I mean, just it'd be a circus, an absolute circus. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's just nuts. But now they don't want to do it. They were given the opportunity on a silver platter. And like the good little Marxist brainwashed goons they are, they always back down. They always back down. You give the crazy people the thing they want that, uh, you know, will give them all the equity, diversity, and inclusion that they could possibly have, and then they just say, no, I don't think so. We don't want to do that anymore. Okay. Calling these people out for their hypocrisy is arguably the easiest thing on planet Earth. I love it. It's fantastic. All right. Into education stuff. Morgan State University, allegedly there was a shooting. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because, frankly, I don't care. Uh, no, you know, no offense if it really happened. I think the timing was interesting. Uh, again, a nice distraction if it, if it didn't really happen, but a lot of people really weren't paying attention to it. Uh, people were actually paying more attention to the fact that Mark Dice called into Fox News and trolled Fox News about it. I thought that was funny, claiming to be a Tyrone at a uh, at a poker game. And then he called in and just started to basically com uh, compliment Tucker Carlson 
It was very funny. Very well done. And uh, yeah, but that audio is making the rounds all over the internet. I'm sorry I'm not going to play it here, but you can bounce over to Mark Dice's channel and check it out. It was funny. And then eventually Trace Gallagher from Fox News caught on to the fact that he was being trolled. He was like, all right, Tyrone, thanks. We appreciate it. Let's see if we can get so-and-so back on the phone. And it was just, it was great. Because again, remember, over at Fox News, you're not allowed to even say Tucker Carlson's name or they'll kick you off. Apparently, everybody was told in some memo, don't even bring him up. And that's all Mark Dice did when he called in. Very funny. Well done. So there was that. There was also this. Locally, where I live here, uh, a message went out to individuals associated with the local K 12 school district. And it says the following, and again, this happened on October 4th, but it said this, it said uh, a Talawanda school district update. It said Talawanda school district has placed an administrator on paid leave pending an investigation. Administrative duties are being covered during this time. Then it says all Talawanda middle school students are safe. Says the district will make an update at the completion of the investigation. The district is following board policies and procedures in regard to a complaint that has been issued. Thank you for your understanding at this time, a Holly Hansel. A lot of rumors swirling around as to what this might be about. I'm not going to speculate, but. I apparently, uh, well, it's apparently been discussed that certainly the principal at the school, at at the local middle school here where I live, is not very well liked. I'm not sure why. Uh, I don't know anything about them, really. But either way, that happened. And I always find it very interesting, the timing of things like this, certainly in uh, in front of elections, where this is the same school district, again, that's seeking to put another levy on the ballot that they think is going to pass, which it won't. And uh, they're becoming more insolvent by the day and looking more incompetent by the day and looking more like a criminal organization by the day something like this happens, whatever the complaint may be. I just love the timing. I love it. I think it's great. Continues to be a black eye on these dummies. And uh, yeah, but I'll bring you more updates with that the more that I hear. There were just a lot of, a lot of rumors swirling, so I'm not going to not going to pile in on any of that, but I just wanted to make mention of that very quickly. Because um, again, well, let's face it. I mean, things like this happen in every school district uh, across the nation on a day-in and day-out basis. So people get investigated all the time, and they do remarkably heinous things. And sometimes they're investigated for not doing anything. It's just a, you know somebody calls in a lie, and then the district believes the lie, and then they run with it. And uh, yeah. It concludes one way or another, either for the benefit of someone or not for the benefit of another. Um, Let me mention this too. This is from Children's Health Defense, and this was sent to me by a listener of the show. Thank you for sending it in the comments section, I believe, on on BitChute. It's titled, Connecticut School Board Faces Lawsuit for Rejecting School-Based Mental Health Clinic That Wanted to Treat Teens Without Parents' Consent. It said the Killingly Connecticut School Board faces an inquiry and lawsuit after rejecting a government-funded school-based mental health center run by an outside contractor that doesn't require parental consent to treat teens. This is a problem. 
and good for the school board for rejecting it. But this right here again, this is the kind of thing that these districts are seeking to engage in. It says that the Killingly Board of Education has been under fire since March of 2022 when it refused to sign a five-year contract to install a federally funded school-based health center, or an SBHC, that would provide mental health services to minors without parental consent. Again, very quickly, I've been over this at length on this show, that all of that is beyond suspicious, but more importantly, that's part of their plan. That's always been a part of these hard left-wing schools, is to turn these schools into more of a indoctrination, counseling, mental health facility than they already are. This has always been a part of it, and 2020 was their green flag go in order to carry out these plans. And now, of course, this district's being sued and being threatened for not going along with it. It says, instead, the board contracted for a similar center, but with month-to-month terms and parental consent required for treatment and without federal grants or the rules they might impose. You may also recall the story that I brought up that was brought to my attention, I think from Sicily, um, last week, if I'm not mistaken, where a very similar kind of outfit that was associated with the school was sending home antidepressants, if memory serves, within school, I don't know what it was, take-home care packages or something along those lines. But but again, they were sending drugs home with children without the parents' knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, it can't get more evil than that. The only thing they wouldn't be doing is, uh, you know, cutting their genitals off at the actual location of the school. I mean, that's probably next on, you know, next in line, isn't it? But again, this is this is happening all over the United States. This is there's no way this is a singular event here. The article continues and it says the board's rejection of the initial proposal approved by the superintendent led to the board and its members being slammed in local media, uh, personally attacked and subjected to a state investigation and a lawsuit. So that right there should tell you the state's in on it. I mean it goes on and on and on here. I'm not going to read the whole article, but I think you get I think you get it. But again, if the state is suing them, then that's what the state wants. The state wants a medical entity at the location of your child's school so that they can recruit your child or pull your child out of class with or without the parental, you know, parental consent and then start asking them questions, be as invasive as they want to be regarding a number of things. And basically back the child into a corner where maybe they have to make a decision or told that they have to make a decision that they don't want to make. Maybe it's even shot related too. Have you had your COVID shot yet? And then they start injecting kids at the actual site. I mean, we know how that's going, but that right there, big problem, big problem. And it's also something probably that wouldn't even make its way into that first day of school paperwork that parents have to sign all of the time. It's possible that it wouldn't even hit that paperwork. Again, they're always trying to keep parents in the dark about a great many things. Again, take the, you know, the the investigation of an alleged administrator or someone within the middle school environment that I just mentioned here in town. 
Same kind of thing. Why wouldn't they just come out? I mean, I understand their policies suck and they have to keep everybody uh, in the dark about it, certainly for a, a certain amount of time, but the truth always gets out. So why wouldn't you want to just get out in front of it and say so-and-so has been placed on administrative leave? There's been a complaint from a student regarding this, that, and the other, but we're investigating. I mean, they could, they could get a little more specific, but they don't. It's no different than, again, these, these medical industries that want their way inside of American schools. They want, to, they want to kick out as many local nurses as possible, bring in their own, and like you've heard me say, build their own health stations or health departments or small urgent care centers right next to these schools and kind of make it a, you know, almost a, a monthly or semesterly field trip where, where students get recruited to come over and then they have questions asked about them and they're in a parent in sight, not a single parent in sight. These are not safe environments, and they're not going to get safer with time. They're going to get worse. So there you go, bringing that to your attention. Speaking of environments that are getting worse, that leads me to these two things. This happened, allegedly, the other day. There's video that certainly shows it. Keep in mind, I've seen plenty of these kinds of videos uh, you know, online. Uh, certainly, I remember those videos from Syria where they were saying that people were using biological weapons and attacks and they're hosing down kids' faces and wiping their faces down. All of that was fake. None of that was real. Syria wasn't using biological or chemical weapons on anybody. It was all just, uh, it was all a psyop. It was all a false flag and it was dramatic video designed to, again, try to stir up uh, the war drums all over again. Well, there's this now too. This is from Gateway Pundit and it is titled Kenyan Girls High School Temporarily Shuts Down Due to Outbreak of Mysterious Illness Which Reportedly Paralyzes Legs of Over 90 Female Students. And there's video and they're all wearing their uniforms. They have uh, blue skirts and, and white, white, sh uh, white shirts and black shoes and blue and white socks. And they're carrying some of their uh, some of their classmates who appear to be shaking, and then they take them into this room where there's allegedly uh, a couple of hospital beds, and there's people with breathing breathing apparatuses rather on their faces, and they're they're shaking in bed. I'm not denying that it's real, because it certainly seems to be uh, jab induced. Again, here they are. This is uh, from 2022. The World Health Organization Kenya, or at WHO Kenya on Twitter, says that this particular school uh, is the weak encouraging citizens to take the COVID-19 vac uh, vaccines. Not going to be able to pronounce any of these counties here, but it says uh, students from the St. Teresa Erigi, uh, I'm sorry, Erigi Girls Secondary School is among those who got vaccinated. The campaign will run for 10 days. And there's a line of them. There's a line of these same students lining up to receive these shots. So again, if it's real, yeah, it's shot-induced. If it's not, then it's designed to, again, basically stir fear into there, be, you know, there being some kind of a virus, quote-unquote, that's going around and we should all be on the lookout. There's no virus. There's just injections. And again, 
injecting Kenyans and injecting Africans along with everybody else on planet Earth is, is their plan because it's a depopulation plan. That, again, is something that you would think Derek Johnson would speak a little bit more about. So no executive order is keeping people from, from, from dying here from these shots. That's, that's still a very real thing. That's happening. There is also this. This happened in Ohio. Absolutely heartbreaking. And again, how much more does this have to happen for people to understand that this is what is causing it, that these shots are the cause? This is from the Daily Mail, and it is titled, Ohio Homecoming Queen Contender. Brianne McKean, 17, collapses and dies on football field during pregame ceremony. She was apparently the daughter of the athletic director for the high school. So Brianne McKean, affectionately referred to as Bree, died at hospital after collapsing on Friday. She had just been announced as a member of the homecoming court, and the teen was a passionate athlete who earned recognition in volleyball, basketball, and softball. Can you imagine? Again, a, a pregame homecoming ceremony thing. They've got pictures of her right before she died. She's right here, and boom, right over on the football field again. A crowd watching this, endless people. My question continues to be, who yelled out the word, it's the, or the phrase, it's the shots? Who yelled that out when she fell over? And why is no one investigating? Is there an autopsy? Did she take the shots? We can assume she did. Because teenagers don't die like this. If, I mean, it has to be hundreds of thousands of teenagers, at least hundreds of thousands. We know millions have taken these shots as far as teenagers are concerned. But when are the people, when are the employees, when are the students themselves going to start walking the hallways and shouting at the top of their lungs that this is all shot-induced? When is that going to happen? When are we going to see those videos? You've heard me mention that in the past. There are still trends that should be trends now that aren't. Again, people continuing to show up at school board meetings and yell about the shots. Why is that not happening? Why are the jab injured from these school environments? Students, parents, employees, etc., etc. Why are they not showing up to school board meetings yelling about these bioweapon shots? Why is that not happening? Because it's happening. I mean, the impact is happening. But we're not seeing any kind of a reaction, and we're not seeing finger-pointing toward these school environments yet. They were involved. They carried this out. Hook, line, and sinker, they bought it, the whole thing. This is a, this is a problem. This is one of those trends that needs, to, that needs to ramp up into high gear here because it's not, we're not seeing it. We still have people complaining about the books in the library. We're back to that old yarn. So, I don't know. You just had a high school senior drop over dead during the middle of a, of a homecoming ceremony. No one's screaming shots at the top of their lungs. They're just reporting it as a died suddenly, quote-unquote. Unexpected death. No one saw it coming. Come on. Come on, people. Let's wake up to this. 
Let's start getting a little louder. Let me also mention this too. This is also from the Defender and Children's Health Defense. It is titled, uh, let me see here. Yeah, this is the end of September here, the 29th. It's titled, Outrageous Approval of New Moderna Shots for Kids Could Spark School Mandates, Dr. Warns. Says the U.S. Food and Drug Administration September 11th licensing of Moderna's Spikevax COVID-19 vaccine for children 12 years and older could result in school and state mandates and injure millions, according to Dr. Merrill Nass. Again, if you need another reason to leave, here's your green flag reason. The door is wide open. It's, it's time to go. If states, again, start to do this and mandate these, these COVID bioweapons as being mandatory in order to attend, I mean, yeah, you've always got the exemptions, and most schools and districts should accept those exemptions because many of them do. But if it uh, becomes quote unquote mandatory and they start to deny exemptions, then, well, you need to leave. There's also this the FDA has quietly updated emergency use authorization for the Novavax vaccine. It says here on Gateway Pundit, despite no current public health emergency. So they've pushed the Novavax jab all the way through. Again, still under emergency use authorization, but it's still the same exact poison as the rest of them. So I don't know what else to say about that. They just they just keep moving forward. They just keep doing what they're doing. Again, it's worth remembering that the enemy is still working through their plans and they're still in, still rolling out their plans regardless of whether or not Donald Trump is the commander in chief or not, regardless of whether or not the quote-unquote military is in control or the patriots are in control. I have no doubt that that's happening. But again, the flip side of the coin is still the same flip side of the coin, and that is that that the enemy still operates, that they're still moving forward here, and that this isn't going away. And again, I would just encourage people to continue to understand that. And with that said, there's also this, and this is some good news. This is, uh, again, from CNN of all places, my apologies. But it is 75,000, it says, Kaiser Permanente workers walk off the job. It's the largest healthcare worker strike in U.S. history. I brought this up last week. Um, I've put this in this particular story in, again, an email that is available on my website as a template. If you're in the nursing profession or you're in the medical profession or you work in these environments and they start to push the masks or the jabs, these, these hospital environments need to be reminded that the people who work there have had enough. They know what the shots are doing. They know what the masks are doing to people. They know what the combination of those two things are doing to people. And they're wiping people out. And these nurses who are either jabbed or unjabbed are overwhelmed with the number of patients that they are seeing. And now they're walking off the job because they say, hey, look, we're overwhelmed. We don't have enough people to take care of these patients. I've brought up numerous stories, again, where that's the case. An interesting take with this, though, I think is the following. These unions, these nursing unions, aren't going to really bring up the concerns to the public like us. That, and certainly CNN isn't going to do it either, but 
they're not going to bring up the real concerns that are being hammered out during these bargaining agreements behind closed doors with these nurses and these nurse representatives. They're not going to do that because we know that it goes way beyond wages and it goes way beyond trying to keep the staff safe and the you know all of the employees and the environment safe quote, quote unquote i mean that that again is what some of these representatives have to say we really know that it's far deeper than that it has to do with them being overworked them having too many patients and we know why they have too many patients and it's not for good reasons and then, of course, them not wanting to wear the masks, take any more shots, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the real reasons. But it says the following here. It says, quote, frontline healthcare workers are awaiting a meaningful response from Kaiser executives regarding some of our key priorities, including safe staffing, outsourcing protections for incumbent healthcare workers, and fair wages to reduce turnover. Healthcare workers within the coalition remain ready to meet at any time. Currently, the strike continues, and there are no sessions scheduled at this hour. So again, it has, it has way more to do with the underlying reasons, which is many of them don't want to wear the masks. They clearly see on the ground what the shots are doing because that's who, I mean, that's what they're treating. They're not just treating, they're not just treating uh, outsourced patients, so to speak, people on the street who are coming in who are ill, they're actually treating their own employees from the shot damage and from what the shots are doing. And they're still being told as employees to continue to take the shots. And they're still being told in many cases to wear the masks. Again, I read last week all of those different hospital conglomerates that are, that are forcing their employees to, to put the mask back on. This is why people are striking. Those are the real reasons. And I don't see this getting any better uh, across all of these particular, again, hospital chains. I, I think this is clearly going to get worse with time. And why not? It should get worse. It was their own decisions that caused this. It's no different than the education business. It's no different than any other, any other business that makes horrible decisions behind the scenes forces those decisions on their employees, and then there's collateral damage and, of course, a clear uh, result that ultimately takes place both immediately and further down the line as a result of those initial decisions. Although this is the deadliest decision that's ever been made in the history of anything, as far as I know. And they're wondering why. Why are they so upset? I, I just don't understand. It's pretty clear. Can't get clearer. I want to bring this up now, and this is something again that I that I've been thinking about for quite some time, and something that triggered it was a conversation that I had with a former guest of the show, and we were texting each other back and forth the other day on October fourth, and he asked a question about prisons, and he said, "I wonder what the vaccination rates are in prisons, and the impact that these shots are having on inmates in prisons," and I went, "Yep." This is something that really is not receiving a whole lot of public attention, and yet it's something that certainly should, because we, of course, we have to understand that whatever goes on inside of a prison usually stays there. We're not going to be told about mass illness or even the death of an inmate as a result of a COVID shot. That's not going to be something that hits the, you know, hits the mainstream news and certainly isn't going to filter its way down into, uh, into our 
realm of understanding, I guess. But we have to assume, first of all, just at a basic foundational level, that that's been happening this entire time. So here's what I've done. I found three particular articles all having to do with the rates of injections within correctional facilities. And this is, uh, this is some fascinating stuff, I think. So first, I'm just going to start here with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And this is back on April 2nd of 2021. So we were clearly a few months into the jabs. And here's what it says. It is titled, Willingness to Receive a COVID-19 Vaccination Among Incarcerated or Detained Persons in Correctional and Detention Facilities. Four states between September and December of 2020. And I'm just going to read the summary here of, of this particular article, and it had numerous authors. The summary says the following, quote, what is already known about this topic? Now, keep in mind, this is published on the CDC's website, so we know, that we, we know what their angle is going to be. But it says persons living in correctional or detention facilities are at increased risk for COVID-19. Certain jurisdictions have prioritized COVID-19 vaccination of incarcerated or detained persons. Then it says what is added by this report. Among incarcerated or detained participants at correctional and detention facilities in four states who were surveyed before authorization of COVID-19 vaccines for emergency use, 45% were willing to be vaccinated. Willingness to be vaccinated was lower among participants who were younger, identified as black African American, and lived in jails. So younger black males in these prison settings didn't want to get jabbed, but they were claiming, again, that 45% of all inmates were willing. It then says, what are the implications for public health practice? It says, COVID-19 outbreaks among incarcerated or detained persons can exacerbate inequities. There's that word again. In COVID-19 outcomes and contribute to community transmission. Interventions are needed to improve vaccine confidence among incarcerated or detained persons, which for them we, we fully understand means they have to be coerced, they have to be bribed, they have to be given incentives in order to become injected. So let me read actually this first paragraph of this particular study because this kind of breaks down the numbers. It says specifically here, incarcerated and detained persons are at increased risk for acquiring COVID-19, whatever. It says, however, little is known about their willingness to receive a COVID-19 vaccination. It says, during September through December of 2020, residents in three prisons and 13 jails in four states were surveyed regarding their willingness to receive a COVID-19 vaccination and their reasons for COVID-19 vaccination hesitancy or refusal. Among 5,110 participants, 2,294, or 44.9%, said they would receive a COVID-19 vaccination, and then 498, or 9.8%, said they would hesitate to receive it, and 2,318, or 45.4%, said they would refuse to receive it. 
Willingness to receive a COVID-19 vaccination was lowest among black, African-American, black, it says again, 30, uh, 36.7%. Or 510 of 1,390 persons, participants aged 18 to 29 years of age. And then it says again, 38.5% or 583 of 1,516. It says those who lived in jails versus prisons, 43.7%, which accounted for 1,850 of the four. 1,232 individuals. Common reasons reported for COVID-19 vaccine hesitancy were waiting for more information, 54.8%, and efficacy or safety concerns, 31%. The most common reason for COVID-19 vaccination refusal was distrust of healthcare, correctional or government personal or institutions, 20.1%. Not all the prisoners are stupid. They're, they're right on that. Uh, let's see. It wraps up here and it says public health interventions to improve vaccine confidence and trust are needed to increase vaccination acceptance by incarcerated or detained persons. We need to come up with coercion plans in order to trick these prisoners into injecting themselves with a biological weapon so that we can have our outcome, which means them dead. And there you go. Now, again, I fully understand that people would say, well, who cares? They're prisoners. Uh, you know, inject them with a bioweapon. Who gives a damn? Well, they still have some, they still have some rights to some extent. So the question again then becomes, was it mandatory? Was it mandatory for them to receive these shots. I'm certain probably that in some environments that was the case, but perhaps not in many others. And who knows, there might be a law uh, that, that basically says that you can't force such vaccinations on prisoners. Although we know that those environments too would do a pretty good job of stirring up any panic or fear from the outside, you know, outside society into those environments, and then they might be more willing to buy it if they're, if they're fearful of something. But hard to, hard to get uh, prisoners fearful of, of a lot of things, I would, I would expect. Here's another one, and this is from May 18th of the same year, 2021. So just, again, a month later. This is from prisonpolicy.org. It says, just over half of incarcerated people are vaccinated despite being locked in COVID-19 epicenters. It says most states did not prioritize incarcerated people in their vaccination plans. As a result, seven months since the first vaccines were distributed, just 55% of people in prison have been vaccinated, leaving them vulnerable to infection. No, that's not it. So again, here they're saying 55%. Of people in prison have been vaccinated. Let me read through some of these stats here. In fact, they've got a nice little interesting map. It says about half of people in state and federal prisons are vaccinated, and then it breaks it down by every single state. So allegedly, and again, this is from the Prison Policy Initiative, or I'm sorry, this was compiled by the UCLA 
Law COVID-19 Behind Bars Data Project, the Marshall Project, and several state-specific data sources. Uh, The state of Ohio, 54% of apparently federal, uh, I'm sorry, state prisons have uh, have their inmates injected. So 54 of them are injected, 54% rather. Looks like the highest, not surprisingly, would be uh, Massachusetts at 71%, California at 75%, Virginia at 73%, Rhode Island at 79%, Arizona at 74%, Mississippi at 71%, I'm bouncing around here. Uh, North Dakota, 91%. Oregon, 72%. Utah, believe it or not, has the least amount. Um, whereas, w- w- which is, I should say, at 7% is all. Whereas Wyoming and Florida apparently did not participate in this. But the numbers bounce around. Again, Utah being the lowest at 7%, but then it jumps to the, 30, the 20% range in Alabama. But then you have 16% in South Carolina, and so on and so on and so on. So there you go. It says in 17 state prison systems and the Bureau of Prisons, less than half of incarcerated people have received a vaccine. Vaccination rates are the worst. In Utah, South Carolina, and Alabama, where 20% or less of the prison population has received the first dose of the vaccine. And again, Florida and Wyoming have not released any vaccination information at all. Their lack of transparency makes it impossible for us to kill everybody. Uh, Well, there you go. I mean, that's certainly answering some of these questions if you were curious as to how many people in these prison environments have been jabbed. Here's another article on the same subject, and this is from last month. COVID-19 infection rates in vaccinated and unvaccinated inmates, a retrospective cohort study. Now, as you might expect out of the gate, they're probably going to say the reason people are getting ill is because they don't have the jabs. That's probably not true. Uh, let's see here. Here's the abstract background in 2023 breakthrough COVID-19 infection among vaccinated individuals and reinfections in previously infected people have become common. That's an interesting admission. That means that they're not working or certainly not, uh, preventative in any way, except for living a life. Additionally, Infections are due to Omicron subvariants. Ah, there's the old variant lie. And the virus that believes, I'm sorry, that behave rather differently from those at the onset of the pandemic. Understanding how vaccination and natural immunity influence COVID-19 infection rates is crucial, especially in high-density congregate settings like prisons to inform public health strategies. Uh, let me read the whole thing here. This is this is interesting. Here's their method. We analyzed COVID-19 surveillance data from January to July of 2023 across 33 California state prisons, primarily a male population of 96,201 individuals. We computed the incidence rate of new COVID-19 infections among COVID bivalent vaccinated 
and entirely unvaccinated groups, those not having received either the bivalent or monovalent vaccine. Just a bunch of gibberish, frankly. They either took it or they didn't. Uh, It says the results. Our results indicate that the infection rates in the bivalent vaccination in entirely unvaccinated groups are 3.24% or 95% confidence interval at uh, 3.06 to 3.42% and 2.7% confidence interval, respectively, with an absolute risk difference of only 0.52%. And then they actually admit that the older the individual was within these prison environments, the more likely they were to be infected as the rates would go up. So it says, among those age 65 and above, the infection rates were 6.45% and 4.5% respectively with an absolute risk difference of 1.95%. That's opposed to those who were at uh, who were aged 50, where the infection rates were 4.07%. So apparently the older the individual, the more likely they were to be infected. Well, yeah. The, the older they are, the weaker their immune systems are. And if you keep jabbing them, well, that's going to be the case. Here's the conclusion. It says, we note low infection rates in both the vaccinated and unvaccinated groups with a small absolute difference between the two across age groups. A combination of monovalent and bivalent vaccines and natural infections likely contributed to immunity and a lower level of infection rates compared to the height of the pandemic. Well, that's not true either. No way is that true. And again, you have to keep in mind, they have to, they have to create a study like this and mix up the numbers because they then have to take this article back to those environments and show the people who administrate these prisons, look, our study proved, because we asked a bunch of prisoners and we tracked their infections, whether or not the jabs were working. And as it turns out, they're working and they're keeping people, uh, you know, less infected. So keep rolling out the jabs. I mean, they use these institutions to, to their advantage so that they can continue to do what they want to do. Uh, let's see here. It continues. It says it is possible that a degree of herd immunity has been achieved. And then they actually admit that it's the jabbed that are getting more sick and have a higher infection rate. It says the bivalent vaccinated group had a slightly but statistically significantly higher infection rate than the unvaccinated group in the statewide category and the age greater than 50 years category. However, in the older age group category, greater than 65 years. There was no significant difference in infection rates between the two groups. Well, there was a difference, just not a significant one. It says this suggests that while the bivalent vaccine might offer protection against severe outcomes, it may not significantly reduce the risk of infections entirely. That's hilarious. What a way to word that. (laughs) What a way to word it. Taking these shots uh, might help you, and they might not help you, but they might help, and then they might not. Okay, got it. 
Further research is needed to understand the reasons behind these findings and to consider other factors such as underlying health conditions. There's that old yarn, too. Well, if they died, it was an underlying health condition that none of us saw. This study underscores the importance of developing vaccines that target residual COVID-19 infections, especially in regard to evolving COVID-19 variants, unquote. Nope. There are no variants. They don't exist. There's only damaged DNA, endless symptoms, endless intentionals, and that's all that's happening. The more jabs you take, the quicker you die. It's, it isn't complicated. Pretty simple. And of course, there has to be numerous benefits, so to speak, to get the incarcerated jabbed because they're an easy study. It's an easy population to study, to keep control of, to keep track of. They're not moving around. They're all quarantined, so to speak. They're around one another. These people know what they're doing. And emptying the prison system of these prisoners is also probably a goal as well. And again, not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but even so, the same people trying to kill them are the same people trying to kill us. So. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, I suppose. There's also this I wanted to mention. This is from COVID vaccine injuries on Telegram. It said the following here recently, as of, well, today. It said, bass player for Ann Wilson of Heart collapsed on stage. It said, quote, uh, my family went to a concert last night, super famous singer, mostly from the 80s. Halfway through, her bassist fell over. Like wandered over behind the amps, sat down, fell back. Hubby saw bass slide across the floor while his foot was shaking. The rest of him out of sight. They called an ambulance, closed the curtains, and they'd refund tickets. I can't find a single local news story about it to see if he's okay. Could be coincidence, but all of the touring musicians we know did what they had to do to be able to continue touring and working. So we are concerned about his status, unquote. And it says, quote, Ann Wilson of Hearts bass player, possibly Andy Stoller. Uh, one of my best friends and her husband were at the concert last night in Mesa, Arizona. When it happened, he fell to his knees near the amps. Then he fell completely over. Five or six people ran over and an ambulance was called. The curtains closed, but before that, a person was doing CPR on him. I'm assuming a heart attack. I hope that he's okay, but I haven't seen a word about it anywhere locally. Uh, here is a photo of him if it's the same guy. And then it wrapped up and it said, and this about mandates, quote, we had to lay down this thing for our whole tour group, unquote, she continued. Every last crew person, every band person had to be vaccinated. Some of them just kind of stomped their own feet and went, well, that's against my, you know, I'm a free spirit, I don't have to. And we went, well, you do if you want to be on this tour. So they all did. But we're still careful. Everyone has to mask up. And they're not in their, dre uh, I'm sorry, when they're not in their dressing room. So far, we haven't had any positive tests, and we've been out on three legs now. You just got to play it super careful, unquote. Oh, my God. 
I don't know how more obvious it can possibly get, but uh, good lord. I looked this guy up. It is him. Andy Stoller, S-T-O-L-L-E-R. He is the bassist for Nancy Wilson's band. And there's not a peep about him having a heart attack, collapsing on stage, even dying or being hospitalized. Nothing. Not a single story. Just first-hand accounts of people who were there. It's incredible. He hasn't made any online posts. Again, he's got a Facebook page, a Twitter page, uh, an Instagram account, nothing. There's nothing on there from anywhere close to a current date. No message about his, his health of any, of any kind, basically. They are keeping that one close to the vest. The cover-up, ladies and gentlemen. You've got average citizens even covering up the health problems of their fellow peers because they took the jabs and then they're just falling over dead or falling over again with a heart attack or some other ailment. It's absolutely amazing, and it's not going to stop. It's just not going to quit. This is going to continue. I wanted to wrap up with this very quickly. I found this to be remarkably hypocritical. Kind of ties back to what I mentioned toward the beginning of the show here, but Alex Jones, of all people, has another book out. His first one was called The Great Reset, most recently, and now his most recent book is called The Great Awakening. You can't even make it up. The same, the same guy who makes fun of the Q posts, the same guy who, who mocks the people who read the Q posts and analyzed the Q posts and woke up to the Q posts, and the same Q posts, I might add, that called him out as being sort of controlled opposition regarding a variety of different subjects and possibly being bought, certainly back in the day, has a book out called The Great Awakening. Again, you can't you can't really make that up. It's beyond ridiculous. You know, I'll hand it to him for the business of being a marketer and a salesman, but for the love of God, it can't get more obvious that he's trying to profit from the phrase, certainly, and do whatever he can to bring as much money in, but only the people with amnesia would be completely unaware of the fact that he's been making fun of those cue posts since the start, and the phrase The Great Awakening, of course, was popularized during those cue posts. One of the earliest cue posts, I think it was the very first one with the term The Great Awakening, was cue post number nine on October 29th here of, of 2017. And then the very next one was post number 70. And then after that, it was referenced dozens of times. The phrase, the, you know, the saying, the Great Awakening, was referenced dozens of times toward the bottom end of, of dozens and dozens of Q posts. And now he's titled a book that. You know, it's, I mean, the hypocrisy is astounding. It's just astounding. So... Again, his capacity to sell things is is next level. We know that. His capacity to, uh, to, to, to lead people in a particular direction, albeit not always the truthful direction, is certainly there too. But he, he's got some nerve. He really has some nerve. 
and I, I'm not going to read the book and I don't know, but I think it's going to be interesting as to whether or not he actually references what the Great Awakening really is from a historic standpoint, because I've brought it up on this show with regularity. Again, it was a previous substack that I uh, that I cut and pasted from another author just last month, at the beginning of last month. I highly recommend bouncing over there and checking that out. The Great Awakening has to do with people returning to God and people hearing God and having God bypass authority figures who are man here on earth, essentially, man or woman here on earth, and bypass them and basically God having a direct line of of thought and communication to the individuals themselves so that the human beings here along with the rest of us of course we 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 look past any quote unquote authority figure or authority group and we see them for who they are and then as a result of course we are empowered to do the right thing against those institutions and against those groups and those people that's what the great awakening is really about and that happens before a revolution and that's where we are right now more and more people are waking up and yeah, the Great Awakening is a very real thing, but it is a biblical awakening. So I think it's kind of gross he's trying to sell uh, sell books on the back of that, given the fact that he's made fun of it for a great deal of time. And again, the vast majority of people had never even heard the Great Awakening before the, before the Q drops. I certainly hadn't, but it was said with regularity and it was said repeatedly in those drops. And then, you know, a thinking person would start to look up the historic significance of what it means, and wouldn't you know it, it has a lot of significance, no doubt about it. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. I will catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.